Let's open up our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2. And as you're opening your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2, we're going to be reading about just the destiny, the, the destiny that one brings upon oneself by the choices that one makes. You know, there's many times that we make choices without really thinking about how it's going to affect others, how it's going to affect me or going to affect those around me. And many of us don't even give this a second thought. But the truth of the matter is, as I pray, that we will face consequences or blessings on the choices that we make, of, on what we do and what we practice. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about, just how you will reap what you sow. You know, when we're talking about reaping and sowing, we know that this is an agricultural term. I know there's not many farmers here, but for those of you that are here, we know that we're disciples, and as disciples, it's really a biblical term. And I want to read this to you from Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You know, as we read this, right, as we think about this, for those of us that have good habits, you hear this verse and it has no issues, there's no problems with it, there's an overwhelming peace, because you know that the good fruit and the blessings are in store for those of us that are behaving appropriately. But I want to remind you of this. What a terrible thought for those who have bad, who have bad habits or are practicing sin. See, as we read this verse, one can expect misery, heartache, and ruin. And I want to examine this verse quickly because it's important for us to to remember the truth of God and exactly the things that are in store by the decisions that we make. It begins by saying that God is not deceived. God is not mocked by our decisions. In other words, what the Word of God is telling us that we are no exception, right? God is not going to turn a blind eye. He's not going to ex ignore our bad behavior. Understand one thing, he is not deceived or he is not mocked. He goes on to say, for whatever a man sows, he will reap. And he's talking about the decisions that we make, the habits that we practice. If you make carnal choices, if you make decisions that are of the flesh, you will experience heartache and ruin is what he's talking about. There's destruction that will come upon our lives. But he says there, if you seek to please the Spirit of God, the result will be everlasting life. You know, I want to give you some examples, some very obvious examples. These are extremely obvious, as we know. You know, a drug addict or a drunkard, a one who practices drunkenness. What are the results of that? We know that there's both physical and spiritual destruction. When it comes to fornication, when it comes to adultery, we know there's, there's also spiritual ruin. When it comes to selfish ambition, when it comes to envy, when it comes to jealousies, hatred, the result is the same. There will be spiritual ruin 
in your life. And what we're going to see today as we go through 1 Kings, we're going to see examples, so many examples of the ruin that came upon the choices that men made. And then we're going to see very few examples of the blessings that came upon a man that sought to please God. We're going to see how blessed he was. And because there's so many verses today, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're just going to dive right into it and we're going to go in and we're going to allow the Spirit of God just to speak to us and to explain to us exactly what's going on here. So let's begin in verse in chapter 2. We're going to read the verses from last week, which was verses 1 through 4. And then we're going to go ahead and uh, continue on with the verses for today's study. 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, His judgments, and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and whatever wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill His word which He spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me, in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, He said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. You know, these were the verses from last week, and as we read them, I just want to give you a quick summary so that we know what's going on here. David spoke to his son, Solomon, this is what he's doing. He's speaking to his son, Solomon. He's about to die. And his son will become the successor to the throne of Israel. And he's going to speak his last words before his very death. And the last words to his son, as it says there, is to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And basically to do as he says. And if you do this, you will prosper. You will be successful. And what does this mean? What does it mean to prosper and to have success? It means that God will bless everything around you. And even when times get tough, God will turn those tough times to good. It's not always talking about financial success, financial prosperity. That's not what he's really talking about here. He's just talking about blessing everything around you. And we know that these instructions, as we talked about last week, they weren't just out of the blue. This isn't the first time we heard it. We know that Joshua said the same thing. We know that the Lord spoke these same words to various men, to Joshua. Moses spoke these words. We see here King David speaking these words. And as we hear this time and time again, these are great promises. And this is what we focused last week. So now let's get into this week's study. Let's go ahead and see the topic, the theme that he's talking about. The, the title of today's message is, You Will Reap What You Sow. And so with that, let's go ahead and read verse 5. It says here, Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let gray hair go down to the grave in peace. <clears throat> Here's the first example. 
We have the first example of ruin as a result of the choices that Joab made. Let me just remind you of what Joab did just quickly. I mean, we've got to summarize all of these because there's so much in, these chapter, in this chapter. Joab was King David's commander, the commander of his army. And I want you to understand what this man did is he actually murdered other military commanders during a time of peace. He was extremely vengeful, prideful, and insecure. And he murdered these innocent men. This was Abner in 2 Samuel 3.30 and Amasa in 2 Samuel 20, verse 10. And not only did he murder these two, but the command from King David to Joab was not to murder his son Absalom. And he disobeyed the king's command. People say, you know what, it was a good thing that he disobeyed, but it was still disobedience no matter what. And he murdered the son of King David. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 14. And not only did it stop here, but as we read a couple of weeks ago, he betrayed actually King David. As he joined another one of David's sons named Adonijah, And he just joined him without consulting with King David. For Joab also knew that Solomon was to boast, or Solomon was to be the heir to the throne. So we have this man that is in complete disobedience. He's a murderer. He's extremely prideful. He's insecure. And so it was all about to catch up with him. His selfish ambitions, all of that was about to catch up to him. So let's keep reading. Verse 7 says, Now, but show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. You know, as we're talking about reaping and sowing, this one actually is not a reaping of ruin but it's a reaping of blessing. You know, as we see there, there's this man named Barzillai. And this man Barzillai, he was a very wealthy man. He was actually an older man. He was already in his 80s. And it said that he, he blessed King David. He blessed King David when Absalom had taken the throne and they were out running and they needed food and supplies, and so this man came and he helped them out. Second Samuel 19.32 And so based on this action, what does David do? David says, Solomon, and it is a possibility that Barzillai was probably dead by this time. He lets Solomon know, I want you to make sure that his sons are blessed. Again, you know, as we see this, just the reaping and the sowing this man was extremely faithful to King David. This man was extremely loyal to King David and because of this, he would be blessed. I've shared this with you in times past. In today's world, it's hard to find a faithful man. Even the Bible says this. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, But who can find a faithful man? Well, I'll share this with you. Barzillai was faithful. and I want you to understand one thing about Faithfulness, faithfulness is always rewarded as we talk about sowing and reaping. 
Look at what it says in Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings. I've always shared this with you. Faithfulness is so key. And this is something that, as Christians, it's vital and it's important to practice faithfulness. And the Word of God promises that you will abound with blessings. And I love this because I had to learn this, as I've shared with you in times past. I was not very faithful, always jumping from place to place, from job to job. But when I learn this, I see the truth that the Bible speaks, that there are blessings when you are faithful. The Lord rewards and He moves people to reward. As we keep moving on, verse 8, it says, And see, you have with you Shemai the son of Gira, Benjamin from Bahurim, who cursed me with malicious curse in the day when I went to Mehanaim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man, and know that you ought to do to him. But bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. Again, the instructions to Solomon. He's telling him, you know what? Bless those that deserve blessings. And those that don't deserve blessing, that, disturb, uh, that deserve ruin, go ahead and impart that upon them. You know, Shemai, I want you to understand who Shemai was. Shemai was a servant of King Saul. He actually didn't like David. He wasn't happy when David came to the throne and when he was ousted by his son Absalom, when they're leaving the city, you have here Shemai that begins to throw rocks at King David. Imagine that. And he begins to curse King David. And I want you to understand, throwing rocks and cursing was worthy of treason. It's an act of treason. It's worthy of death. And David tells him, you know what he deserves. And so let's keep reading verse 10. It says, so David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and his kingdom was firmly established. This is the point where David dies. And you know what I love? I love what the writer says here. The writer explains his death as rest. Did you read that? Why would he say rest versus death? I need to remind you of David's life. Remember David was a fugitive for about eight years. Imagine running. You have the king and his men after David. Their desire is to kill David and yet he's running like a fugitive. And let me remind you also of the pain and the heartache that he experienced because of his sin with Bathsheba and the murder against Uriah. The family brought a lot of pain to David. Though David was a great king who knew God, who loved God and who walked in the will of God for most of his life, I want you to know one thing is that he still had sorrow and pain. And when he died, he rested with God. And I want you to understand this same promise is for all of us. 
You know what's so amazing about this is that we will also rest one day. As we all know, we, are, we all are not immune to pain, to suffering, to stress, to worries on this side of heaven. But one thing that we know that heaven, heaven promises is, is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, and no more death. And this is what we're going to have. We're going to have rest. And this is what's so awesome about the promise from God. And so we have here the summary of David's life. It says that 40 years as king. Seven years he was king over Judah and 33 years as king over Israel and Judah. And so now David rested and we see here, now begins the reign of Solomon. Now we go into a new chapter, the reign of Solomon. And so let's read now, verses 13. We're going to read now of another man, of Adonijah, who we read about prior. We're going to read again about the reaping and sowing because of his behavior. In verse 13 it says, Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Say it. Then he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel had set their expectations on me, that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it is his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, Say it. Then he said, Please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me. Abishag, the Shunammite, as wife. So Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to the king Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand and then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And King Solomon said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So he said, Let Abishag, the Shunammite, be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag, the Shunammite, for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also. For he is my older brother for him and for Abiathar, the priest, and for Joab, the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore... By the Lord saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benai the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down, and he died. You know, let's stop here. We have here another example. You reap what you sow. Adonijah reaped ruin. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse, verses 51 through 53, Adonijah was given grace and mercy as he attempted to take the throne from Solomon. See, he took this and it wasn't given to him, but yet he was seeking to take the throne. And so what Solomon does is he extends grace and mercy, but he warns them. He says, stay out of trouble. 
Don't do anything foolish. Don't do anything evil or you will die. And that is the warning. He warned them. But yet Adonijah's act of asking for David's concubine, some may say was not worthy of death, but they are incorrect. I want to explain to you why. See, what Adonijah, he was up to no good. And some people don't see it, right, as you read this. But you've got to look deep into his intentions. See, Adonijah was manipulating himself or his way to the throne. He went to Bathsheba. See, he didn't have to go to Bathsheba. It tells us there that his mother was Haggith. And she was also the wife of King David. He could have gone through Haggith. Maybe she was dead, maybe she wasn't, but he could have gone through her if she was alive. Instead, he uses Bathsheba. He uses Solomon's mother to manipulate her into requesting for David's concubine. Bathsheba didn't see anything wrong with it, but let me share this with you. There was a lot of things wrong with this request. See, he chose Solomon's mother. And I want you to understand what this is. This is called manipulation. He knew that he had a better chance with Solomon's mother for a son will obey his mother. Okay? And the reason for all of this, as we look at what Adonijah was doing here, see, during this time, if an individual was to marry the former king's concubines or wife, it was a symbol of their right to the throne. And Adonijah knew this. He knew that if he would marry Abishag, then people would say, you know what, then he has a right to the throne. The other, this happened another time. This happened with Absalom. Remember, David's concubines... Absalom raped every single one of them as a sign that he was now the king over Israel. And this was there in 2 Samuel 16, verse 22. But when we read this, right, it just doesn't stop there. Because when you read here in verse 15, he told Bathsheba that the kingdom was his, but that the Lord had given it to Solomon. Solomon knew this guy was up to no good. Manipulating, wanting his father's concubines and admitting the throne was his, Solomon used wisdom here and knew his brother too well. He said, you know what, my brother's older and the fact that he wants my father's wife, he's stooping very low and he's convinced my mother that I should give him Abishag. And Solomon had already warned Adonijah but he didn't listen. I'm going to share this because warnings are so important. How many of you, let me just share this, how many of you have been warned before you've ever sinned or been warned of the consequences of sin and you didn't listen and you fell into it? Show of hands. You know what? My hands are up too. God always has a way of warning people. He's so gracious and so good about this because He gives warnings before we sin. He gives warnings before judgments fall upon us. 
But what happens is we don't want to listen, right? And then when it happens, you're like, oh man, I should have listened. But the consequences are there. The, you know what? It's, you're just swimming in, in consequences and, and you regret it. You know, God's Word is always filled with warnings. And His Spirit is constantly speaking to us about warning because, see, He already knows what we're up to and so He's warning us before we do these things. You know, when you think about Noah, how many times did, were the people warned? Remember, it talks about Noah and Peter writes that he was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, he was speaking about the coming judgment, but nobody wanted to listen. And they didn't want to listen, and so what happened? The flood came, they drowned. Did you know that during the Great Tribulation, and we know that this time is coming soon, did you know that the people on earth, God is going to send them warnings? Remember, He does some amazing works, and during these times, there's a supernatural that will meet the natural, right? People will see demons coming out, but they will also see God sending angels. Did you know that He says, sends three angels to the heavens, to preach the gospel. To tell them, don't take the mark of the beast. He's saying, surrender yourselves to the Lord. But yet people refuse to listen. We know that he's also going to send two witnesses. Remember these two witnesses. To tell the people, you know what? Don't listen to this man. The Antichrist. But yet they don't listen. He sends 144,000 Jews. And they don't listen. See, these are the warnings that God constantly gives us. The problem is, is that we don't listen. We all fall into this, right? And we're going to talk about this later. We're going to share with you how we can avoid falling into these traps. But let's return back to the story here, Adonijah. Adonijah was warned, but he ignored the warnings. And his sin brought forth his ruin, his destruction. See, Solomon had to clean house. He had to get the leaven out because a little leaven, what does it do? It leavens a whole lump, right? He knew that there was poison that would come against the kingdom. And Adonijah was the first leaven to be taken out. There's going to be two more. And I want to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 7, and I want to talk about these two. As it says there in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. Remember, these are, these are the ones that sided with Adonijah, even though Solomon was the heir to the throne, even though this was made public. Many people knew, especially the inner circle, that Solomon would be king, but yet... These two ignored him, ignored it. And so we're going to see the consequences to their behavior. Verse 26, let's talk about Abiathar. And to Abiathar, the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Let me share with you about Abiathar. Abiathar was one of those priests that survived. Remember when King Saul, he 
At Nob, he killed all the priests, and Abiathar was the only priest to escape. So he came and he came to King David, and he was very faithful to King David till the very end. How does this speak to us? Remember, it's about finishing strong, right? It's not, it's not about being disqualified. Imagine all his life, he was extremely faithful to David, but yet at the very end, he disobeys the king. He betrays the king, and he actually sides with Adonijah instead of the king that God had chosen. And so what does he do? Instead of putting Abiathar to death, he extends mercy and he says, you know what, I'm just going to take you out of the priesthood and I'm going to allow you to return. Go home. And why? Because you know what? I knew that for many years you were very faithful to my father and I understand that and you carried the ark of God, but yet you are removed from your position because of your betrayal. Understand, this was also fulfillment of Scripture. How many remember Eli? Remember Eli at the temple? He had sons, right? And he was allowing his sons to sleep with all the women. He was allowing his sons to, to do all these things. And so, he brought all this sin into the temple of God. And so, as punishment for it, the Lord said, Eli, you're your lineage, your line of priesthood will be removed. And so this is a fulfillment of that. Again, Eli's consequences, we see God's hand fulfilling. We see that God is not mocked, that God is not deceived. And he reaped what he sowed. And so Abiathar was actually from the lineage of Eli. Let's look at the next one, Joab. There, in verse 28, it says, The news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benai, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go strike him down. So Benai went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, Thus says the king, Come out. And he said, No, but I will die here. And Benai brought back the word to the king, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. Then the king said to him, Do as he has said, and strike him down and bury him, that you may take away from me and from my house, from the house of my father, the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword. Abner the son of Ner and the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father David did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of the descendants forever, but upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benai, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his house in the wilderness. The king put Benai, the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army, and the king put Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. I'm going to share this with you. After Adonijah was put to death and Abiathar was expelled from the land, 
Joab knew that he was next. And so what does he do? He goes to the altar. And he goes to the altar and he holds the horns there. And that was really a sign that, you know what, that I'm sorry for what I did. But here, Joab was not saying he was sorry. He was just holding on to him. And he was saying, I'm guilty. And so what happens there? He was killed. It says the Lord, in verse 32, it says, The Lord will return His blood on His head. Again, you reap what you sow. You know, no matter if we go to the altar, remember this, if we're not repenting of our sins, no matter what they are, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to receive the blessings of eternal life. Just like Judas, right? Judas was the same way. Hey, I'm guilty, and so what do I do? I... As I know I'm guilty, I'm not going to confess it, I'm not going to repent it. You know what? I'm just going to hang myself. That's what you have here with Joab. Joab is just saying, I'm guilty, go ahead and kill me. I deserve what's coming upon me. I want to repeat verse 35. It says, The king put Benai, the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army, and the king put Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. Again, both of these men were loyal. When you look at 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, it tells us there, it says, But Zadok the priest, Benai the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shemai Ray, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. You see these men, they said, You know what, we're not going to King Solomon, we're going to stay with King David. Again, what we see here is when you decide to follow the will of God, you're going to receive the blessings from God. And so what happened here with Benai? He was faithful to the king and he now became the commander of the army of Israel under King Solomon. And not only that, what Zadok again was faithful, remember? The faithful man will abound with blessings. Zadok was now the priest in place of Abiathar for their faithfulness, for their loyalty. And now let's look at the last man. It's Shemai. Verse 36 goes on to say, Then the king sent and called for Shemai and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and do not go out from there anywhere, for it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook, Kidron, no, for certain you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shemai said to the king, The saying is good, as my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So he agrees with King Solomon, I won't leave the brook, Kidron. So Shemai dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shemai ran away to Achish the son of Makah, king of Gath. And they told Shemai, saying, Look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shemai arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Achish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shemai went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told that Shemai had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Then the king sent and called for Shemai and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die. And you said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you? The king said, Moreover to Shemai, You know as your heart acknowledges, 
all the wickedness that you did to my father David. Therefore the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benai, his new commander of the army, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down and he died. Remember, Shammai was a servant of King Saul. And he was extended mercy and grace by King Solomon. Shammai did not heed the warning and he disobeyed the command of the king to stay in Jerusalem. And so what happens? He was brought to death. Again, you reap what you sow. If you sin, you will reap ruin. You know, this whole chapter is about reaping and sowing. It's about if, you know what, if you do good, if you reap of the Spirit, you will, if you sow of the Spirit, you will reap of the Spirit. If you sow of the flesh, you will reap destruction. You know, when it comes to all this, I mean, we've been talking about it, how can we avoid reaping destruction, right? I mean, I think we all know what to do when, as far as doing good and following the Spirit's leading, but when it comes to reaping destruction, how can we avoid this? How can we avoid falling by the flesh? There is someone that has been given to us as believers, and he is called the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand one thing, that the Holy Spirit is with you if you are a believer of God, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the responsibilities that the Holy Spirit has is to convict us of sin. Not only will He convict us of sin, but He will speak to us the Word of God. And this is in John chapter 14, verse 26. He is a helper to us. Understand that. And this, and the Holy Spirit, understand one thing. When you are ready to sin, He is ready to speak to you. See, we know when we're about to do wrong. The problem is, is that we don't listen. And even if you're confused about doing wrong, understand this, you have a conviction within your own heart. You know it's wrong. Now, if you've been blinded by sin, that's another thing. Or if you harden your hearts towards Him, be careful. <coughs> this is what the Word tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, as the Holy Spirit speaks, listen and don't harden your hearts towards Him. See, when we find ourselves constantly practicing sin, that's, we've already hardened our hearts. And understand one thing, that God is not mocked. He will not be deceived. Understand one thing, you will reap ruin. You will reap destruction. And this is the warning that God is giving to us. If you've been blinded by your own sin or you've been blinded by Satan, you know when you do sin that things don't feel right? If you happen to slip, I mean many of us trip and slip. We know that happens, right? But what happens to those that, that are blinded? Those that just don't see it. But you know that something is wrong. It's important so that you don't sow of the flesh is to get counsel for somebody else. 
Remember, get counsel from a mature believer. This is what Proverbs 12.15 tells us. It's important for us to receive counsel from somebody that is mature in the Lord. Stop seeking counsel from a buddy in Christ that's not mature because they may mislead you and most of the time they will. I've been misled by, by this. This is why I constantly tell you this because I've gone to people that weren't mature in the Lord. And so when I went to them for counsel, they gave me the wrong counsel. And this is why I share with you many times, it's important that we receive counsel from somebody that is mature in the Lord. Receive counsel from your pastor, receive counsel from another leader in the church. But remember, to avoid destruction in your life, it's important to, one, listen to the Holy Spirit, seek counsel from another mature believer, and I'm going to give you the third point here. Ask God to speak personally to you about the matter that you're in. And He will from His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us God's Word. It's God's breath. It's God's Word that is spoken to us. It reproves. It, it instructs. It reproves. It corrects. The Word of God was given to us. And, and I'll share this with you. The Word of God will reveal to us our sin. You know, we have these things. We have the Holy Spirit. We have other mature believers, and we have the Word of God to help us so that we don't fall in destruction. Because when you walk in the flesh, you will reap ruin. It is promised and guaranteed. And we see this today. We've seen this here, right? God will not give a blind eye to no one. That's why He says, He is not mocked. He is not deceived. Many times we think, well, God loves me and He's going to understand this situation. No, He's not going to understand the situation. He won't understand your situation. He knows that you decided to practice sin. And one thing that the flesh always brings, it brings heartache, pain, unrest, and death. Things that we've been talking about. But when we sow of the Spirit, understand this, it brings peace, rest, fellowship with God, and it brings life. I want to finish Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I mean, chapter 6, we read verse 8. Let's read verse 9. It says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Many times, doing good can get hard at times. But the Word of God reminds us, don't grow weary. Remember, you will reap blessings from God. And so let's close with final here, the final verse in 1 Kings chapter 2. We didn't finish it. It said there at the end, Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. What did Solomon do? Solomon eradicated every enemy that he had. Think about that, right? I want you to understand what's happening here because this closes everything that we're talking about here. King Solomon eradicated every enemy that he had and it tells us that the kingdom was established. As we think about this, have you eradicated those things that make you fall? Have you eradicated the enemies of your life, this flesh of yours that makes you fall? Have you given these things to the Lord? 
And if you have, then you will be established. Remember that. See, if you haven't, then you're never going to have peace. You're never going to have rest. And guess what else? You're going to reap ruin. See, Solomon knew that, you know what? I had to get out the enemies. Do we realize that we need the enemies out of our life? Otherwise, they're going to ruin you. They're going to destroy you. See, this is what this is all about. It's about reaping and sowing. It's about making sure that we don't reap ruin. These are the warnings from God for us. As we've been talking about the flesh, eradicating the flesh, I want to read to you some of the things that come from the flesh so that we can understand this. In Galatians 5.19, I'm going to read some of these to you. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, if you are practicing these things, if this is what you're sowing, you will reap what? Destruction. It doesn't stop here. I want to read to you again so that as I read these things of the flesh, you, you know that these are the things that you need to eradicate because they've been eradicated. They've been nailed on the cross, but we bring these things to life even though they have no life in us. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 says, do you, not, do, you know, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Make sure these things are not a part of us. It's important that we understand this. This cannot be a part of us. I'm going to close with one final scripture. And it summarizes everything that we've been talking about. And it's from Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. It says this, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. You reap what you sow. You're going to sow blessings. You're going to sow life. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong, again, walking in the flesh, will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Just what we said earlier, as we read in Galatians. God is not mocked. God is not deceived. There is no partiality. If you are walking in the flesh, God in his perfect justice has to punish. It's the bottom line what's so amazing about God and it's not a downer I don't want you to think man you know what it's, we just talked about judgment no we're talking about making sure that you don't fall into this judgment these are the warnings of God God wants to bless you he says you will reap what you sow when you sow the spirit you will reap life and this is what God wants us to walk in we saw the consequences of all these men that decided to disobey the Lord and then we saw the blessings of those that were obedient to the Lord. And this is for all of us. I think we all want the blessings from God, don't we? And we all want life. Amen? Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for 
the lesson of reaping and sowing and the examples that you gave us, Lord. Your word was filled with it today, Lord. And may we take heed as a people of God, the warnings that you gave us, Lord, your desires to give life, to give rest, to give peace. That's what you want, Lord. What's so amazing about you, God, is the grace that you poured out upon us. Whatever we've done in the past, you say, you know what, I will forgive and forget. That's what's so amazing about you. We don't want to be like Joab. We don't want to be like Judas. We want to come to you by faith, believing that you will forgive, believing that you will, as your word says, give us life. If there's anyone here that as we read some of these things and maybe it was an eye-opener, these works of the flesh and your desire is to repent, not to admit guilt, but to repent of it and to allow the Spirit of God to cleanse you and the Lord to make you white as snow. If this is you, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Heavenly Fathers, You have spoken, Lord. Your Word is alive. Your Word is power. There is power that comes from Your Word. There is just a supernatural work that when You speak, Lord, You, you cut the heart, Lord, and people respond to it for all of you that raise your hand I'm going to ask you just to repeat these words after me Lord Jesus forgive me of my sin my desire is to no longer practice it Lord I want it eradicated I want you in my life. I need you in my life. I'm sorry for hurting you, for disobeying you. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious. Lord, I thank you for your love for me and for dying on the cross for me. And Holy Spirit, I need your power. The same power that was in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to live a life that is pleasing to my Master. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.